Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now, imagine when you opened up that book, it was full of highlights and notes in the margin, and so you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is The Notable Podcast. These are discussions where pastors not only take seriously the biblical text, but they share what they've been underlining and highlighting, all of their notes that help them share the world's most important book and how it's transformed their hearts and how it can transform the hearts of the people you know. This is Season 5, Coming Forth as Gold, a reading of the Book of Job. You're about to hear a conversation between John and Tim Borman, twin brothers, both Christian pastors. Tim is a pastor in Queens, New York, and John is a pastor in Aiken, South Carolina. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Here's John and Tim. Oh, man, Jonathan, I can't believe it. We have come to our very last episode on the book of Job. 42 chapters. Oh. On a very tough book, too. What a challenge. What a challenge. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, it, it's been it's been quite a journey to be able to deepen ourselves through the book of job and we've we've really come to to a beautiful beautiful place with job and it 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 took job 42 chapters to get to this place too but but where he comes to is is just a beautiful wonderful place of repentance and I'm ready to get into that. Are, are you ready to get into that? Yeah, I am. It's just reflecting on it. It's funny. I, I hope that for our listeners, they're having a little bit different experience than I am right now. But, you know, the end of the, you should get to the end of the book of Job and, and feel shalom. No shalom. That's We're going to talk about that restoration of the soul. And, and uh, I'm a little bit sad, though, because I don't want to go away from it. The book of Job has been a safe place for me and mentored me through a lot of things over the last few months but here we go here we go we have to start with job's repentance and uh so we get job's job is going to respond now to the lord and the lord's revelation to him and the lord's reconciliation with him and this so this is what he says and we're just going to unpack it here in a second but let me just read it this is job chapter 42 verses 1 through 6 Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You know, what a... Isn't isn't that a beautiful... Wow. (laughs) What a beautiful, a beautiful confession of faith right there. Mm. He's just doxological. Think of like, ah, I I said I was going to read it, but I can't even stop myself. Just think of... If, if in our hearts we fully believe that, you know, would we be anxious? Would we be worried ever? <laughs> you know, you know I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard this wonderful sermon once about, 
you know, we need to bring doxology along with us. And, and the preacher was asking, is it appropriate to bring doxology into, into the funeral home? Should we bring doxology into um, surgery with us? Should we bring and say, Lord, you, you can do all things, Lord. You, you are the triune God. There's, there's great mystery in, in this. I, I don't understand it. But, but you are God, and, and, and Job affirms all of those things. You know, he, he, his life's not right yet. The Lord hasn't wrapped everything up with a pretty bow. Not, not yet. I, I imagine Job's still in, in pain. See, you're he, not. He doesn't have. Yeah, he's still suffering here. And right. We're going to have to talk about that. He's still, he's still in the pain and in the suffering. But there he is, right there in the suffering. What's he doing? Doxology. And that's so helpful for us because if we attribute deity to anything else in our lives you know if we attribute deity to our suffering to our pain to leviathan to anything else we will live in fear we will live in anxiety but when we lift up god when we when we when we give him glory and give him weight as the one whose purposes are going to be fulfilled we know they're good purposes you know he he's sovereign and saving at the same time, uh, we can then we can get low and get quiet in our hearts. Oh man, <laughs> uh, we're not getting very far very fast. No, we're not. That's verse two. <laughs> so here's verse three. You asked, "Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know." You said, "Listen now, and I will speak." I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You know, Job, Job oh, he, gets it. Oh, man, he gets so it. so good. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, we went with the motif of pre-trauma Job at the beginning of this podcast, and I, and I think we have to do... We have to just pick up on a, a couple of things with post-trauma Job. Um, how does Job come to grips with his his pain, his, his trauma, the fact that he faced death down? And he, he comes to this, this beautiful spiritual place in, in understanding that he, he doesn't need to know. He doesn't, he doesn't need to understand. Um, not yet. I he tried to understand, and he and it was just too wonderful for him to know. So he he actually locks up the understanding of why it had to happen um, into doxology for and himself. I want to go back to something that we looked at last episode and dwell on it because this this is what Job is doing. He's just dwelling on it. He's responding to it as as a human. What, what can we say about this? Once again, what we have here is this. Job is realizing, and he says this out loud, I don't need an explanation for my suffering. I don't need an explanation for my life. What I need is a better understanding of God. I need a better revelation of who the Lord is. And isn't that true? You know, Timothy, I can look at my own life. I've, I have questions about it, a lot of questions about it. It's so, some of it's so personal, I'm not even going to bring it out right now. Like, why are things going in a certain way? Like, I thought that I was, I was going to have five biological kids. 
I haven't even been able to have one. And why is that? Uh, I could go to that question, examine that question, uh, but at the end of the day, you know what, Timothy? I don't need an explanation. I really don't. I just need to know that the Lord is uh, that the Lord has better plans for me. When I know Him better, then and I trust Him better, then I have peace uh, and security in my heart, and I'm just quiet. But if I act like if I act like I have to know, if I'm proud and I'm arrogant, God, I gotta know. I gotta have the answers. I which is a form of deity, right? I got to know. That's when I lapse into anger, bitterness. Um, that's what happens. I love this psalm. There's a psalm that comes into my head. I'm a child, just a wean child with the Lord. I'm just a three-year-old. I, I don't, it, what is God going to do with a three-year-old? Explain everything? <laughs> no, I mean, this is not what he does. This is not, we're not capable of that. It's too wonderful for us. Okay, Lord, I know who you are. And and we could use the words of Job, like he's 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 saying it's too wonderful for me to know. I I don't need to know. I don't need to understand. And he he actually you know expresses that he's arrived at a new spiritual plane. And I and I love this when 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 spiritual deep believers in 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 God show how they've changed and share that perspective on their life my ears had heard of you so he's this is what he was like before all of this happened i i had heard about you um it, it's almost like this audible understanding but there was a higher uh plane for him to get to but now my eyes have seen you and literally too like Job is saying, God, I, I can see you. You've revealed yourself in the storm. And wow. you've spoken to me, and now I've seen you. Now now, now I, I get you. And so that does a couple of different things for him. He's able to become um, forgetful of himself, which is really the hardest thing to do. Like he, he actually says he despises himself. Like he's able to see himself rightly. I'm nothing but, but dust and ashes. And it was presumptuous of me. It was inappropriate of me. It was thinking too highly of myself for me to accuse you, Lord, of an injustice towards me or to try to understand why all this would happen had happened to me now i have a right view of myself mm. I, I i am dust and and now i'm in this place where i can say lord you are god and you are good and i have seen you now i, I have seen you now i want to build on on what you're saying here too my eyes had heard of you but now my eyes have seen you job is realizing the gift you know, go go back to Job. What's Job's problem in the book? What's his real problem? He thinks God is doing him wrong. He thinks God is out to get him. And we examine that. He thinks God is hurting him, like shooting arrows at him, like doing target practice on him, stuff like that. He imagines God is the bad guy. It turns out God is the good guy. It turns out that the Lord is the Lord. It turns out that suffering 
to Job wasn't judgment, which is how he misinterpreted his suffering. Job thought it was judgment. It wasn't. God was giving him grace. That's what he was doing. He was giving him a gift. What's the gift? My eyes had heard of you, but now my my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. You know, we what is that what is that describing? I'll tell you what I what I think about when when I hear that described. You know, you hear Timothy, you and I have been in the church our whole lives, right? Like you hear these you you hear these Bible stories, you hear these sermons, you hear these testimonies, uh, these witnesses from Christians that God is God is good and God is wonderful and God is faithful and you hear that with your ears and you go okay, you know, and it's in your head and you process that and it's and it's not like it's not like you don't believe it, you know. I think you do believe it. It's not, you're not rejecting it. You're not saying that's not that's wrong, but at the at the same time, like has it moved all the way into you? So that you see it with with a new heart, um, and you capture it with your whole being. That's what suffering does when you go through it. On the other uh, on the other side of it, you say, "Now I get it. Now I've lived it. Now I've experienced it. God is faithful. The Lord is redemptive. The Lord does save." And Job has he's arrived to this place, and that is a gift, you know, Timothy. We. I, I think about, you know, I think about, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm there. You know, the Lord is still working on me. He's going to work on me till I'm, till I, to the day of my death. But, you know, I go, sometimes I get to hold the hands of people who are dying. And I'm just amazed that the, these Christians who have this amazing faith, like, hey, I, I know I'm going to shut my eyes in death and I'm going to see Jesus for the first time. And they're not afraid. They're honestly not afraid. And because the Lord has been faithful to them, he's grown them in faith. They've come to this place where their ears had heard of the Lord and their eyes have seen him too. And it's just incredible spiritual place that the Lord has brought them through, through suffering. Yeah, and, you know, just to build on that, like, it, it, the closer that you come to death, the more you realize and come to this place that I don't have the strength, but God does. And, mm. and to see the reversals that God pulls off in our lives, like where you, you're going down this path and it seems like this, this is going to end in death. Like maybe, maybe it's the death of a relation. Maybe it's your own death. Maybe it's um, the death of a loved one. And then, and then for God to turn that all around, and and sometimes it really takes time. Maybe it's till the last day when, um, then we can begin to see in Jesus in His life that same paradigmatic life playing out in our own life, and that that's how uh, Paul understood his life. He he wrapped himself in the life of Jesus, like Jesus went all the way into the tomb and and then came back out again um and it's the same thing with us so the deeper you go into suffering the deeper you you move towards death the more you experience and understand the life that jesus gives the life of god you just and go the there. resurrection that jesus gives 
I can't give myself life. I can't raise myself from the dead. I can't get myself out of these circumstances. Here I am in dust and ashes. But my heart, my heart might be low, but God is so high. The Lord is so high. He's going to come down into my pit and pick me up out of it. And that's finally what we believe, you know, in, in the resurrection from the dead. And this is, just to explain this too, Timothy, I think it's important to, to think this whole repentance things through. Uh, what is it exactly, exactly, exactly that Job is repenting of? Um, he's, he, he got God wrong, Timothy. He interpreted the Lord's action in his life wrong. And he's, he straightened out his understanding. He thought God was giving him judgment and law. Turns out the Lord was giving him grace. And he says, I got it wrong. I, I, I got the Lord wrong. I'm changing my mind about this thing. You know? Yeah, and, and by the way, by the way, in, we'll look at this in a little bit, but the Lord does affirm Job. He, he does not affirm the friends. And he says, you have not spoken the truth about me. And the Lord's angry with, with Eliphaz and, and, and the friends, as my servant Job has. So the Lord um, says about Job, uh, you have said, you, you have spoken rightly about me. And, and what makes the most sense to do is like, well, okay, Lord, what, what did Job say that was right? Well, what we just thought about, you know, that um, he's wonderful, he's beyond us, that he's concerned about us. And, and you know, so you don't want to read back through the entire book of Job and be like, everything that Job said was absolute gospel truth. Um, some of it was, but some of it wasn't. Uh, and But the Lord does affirm everything that Job says here in Job chapter 42 and that probably brings us to the next the next part here that we need to deal with so what's happening job is now he's now responded to the lord's speeches his creative his creational oracle his creational speech and his redemptive speech and now what's going to happen is we're going to see the final frame of the book so the book app opens with what we would call a narrative right like a a, a narrative scene in job one and two and that we would call that the prologue to the book of Job. Now uh, we're going to move into what's called the epilogue of the book, the closing frame narrative. So we, we're moving to a different genre of literature in the book of Job. And what the, what the narrator is going to do here is really wrap up uh, Job 1 and 2. So we have the, really the closing frame of the book. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this closing frame really in two movements. We're going to look at uh, Job as the suffering servant here, and then, and then we're going to look at uh, this great, uh, glorious uh, closing scene. <laughs> and uh, so uh, what I'd like to do is just read uh, verses 7 through 9, Timothy, verses 7 through 9, and then we'll get into them a little bit more, this scene. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, 
and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Naamathite did what the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. What do you make of that? Well, you know, it, we, we picked up on some of these themes earlier in the podcast about how Job is a, he, he's a priest before the Lord. He, he, the Lord calls on him to act in that way for the friends. And, and you're right, you know, uh, makes me think of Jesus and how he is a priest. He's someone who, who intercedes for us before the father one of the big words in this in this little epilogue here is servant timothy servant 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 Uh, how many times does the lord call job my servant Uh, clearly the lord it that's a big and we went through this right we went through this in in our early podcast so we don't need to rehash that here but the Lord is, is laying some groundwork here for some servant theology. And this theology blooms later in the Old Testament and finally into Jesus, right? Uh, Isaiah's got a suffering servant. And you can't help but think about that. Um, and Jesus is, is the one who comes to, to serve us um, in the Gospels. And what's, what's, I think, really poignant about this is and again I'm not trying to push on this too hard I'm just making observations but what's really poignant to me about this is that Timothy Job is still suffering the Lord has not restored him yet and so before the prayer he's, yeah he's yeah yeah it's it's only after the prayer and after the priestly action that finally the Lord ultimately restores them. And it, isn't it interesting, like the friends that said, Job, you're suffering. not in, you're not innocent, you're, and clearly God's angry with you because of your suffering. And so the three, the three friends are standing there still, and they're, they're good, you know, they're, they're healthy, they're, they're wealthy, they're, they're having a good life, but they're the ones not in a right standing with God. It's Job who is. Yeah, and, the suffering servant, right? Yeah. And and so it you cannot we could make a lot of this, but you cannot assume like, oh God you, you know, these true truths, these assumptions sort of go hand in hand. There's the assumption God must be angry with me because all this bad stuff is happening with to me. No. No, the the sufferer here is the one who who is cl- close to the Lord, and you can't make the the opposite assumption. Which says, you know, the Lord must be really really happy with me because I'm rich and and healthy and wealthy. No, <laughs> you might be the farthest from the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and in fact, um, the truth is that the healthy wealthy people were the ones far from God, and the sufferer here was was being drawn close to the Lord and in a right relationship with the Lord. He had come to understand and see the Lord. You know, so for me, Timothy, I think about when when I meditate on these on this scripture and, and maybe it depends on where you're at in life and how you 
uh, apply these words to your own life but do you do you stand like there's two places you can stand in in the text or two two different sets of people that you can identify with you can identify with the sufferer in the scripture which is job the suffering servant or you can identify with the friends and and for me um just applying these words to my life um what <laughs> by the way and by the way there's no third option like ellie ellie who's disappeared like we just <laughs> there's neither a condemnation nor affirmation of elihu and we've discussed that already so where do you stand and and for me like i i i'm not i i wouldn't call myself a, a great jobin figure in my life i've really you know had integrity with my words i really suffered well and and stuff like that always clung to the lord in faith and and, and like job did even in, in his greatest uh, laments he's he's clinging to the lord i would characterize myself probably a little bit closer to lfs build and, and zophar in which case i've alienated myself from god and in which case i need somebody who has suffered well to intercede for me and that's jesus you know jesus suffered well uh when i haven't been a good sufferer and i look <laughs> you, you go through job and uh, as a listener and as a reader and you realize man uh, you repent for that right like i haven't suffered well i haven't done this well and this is hope right the lord doesn't just trash the bad friends he wants everybody reconciled to himself even bad suffers even bad friends and yeah so actually in the epilogue we have a bunch of righteous people then people who have been made right with the lord um, who have been brought to repentance and then and then the epilogue moved moves again it says after job had prayed for his friends the lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before excuse me <laughs> twice as much as he had before <laughs> what do you make of that jonathan well should you, we should we yeah. you, you don't right. want to <laughs> go to people with, with these amazing <laughs> promises and be like, look, I, I know you suffered this loss. Just wait. The Lord's going to double your fortunes. <laughs> you know, like, well, we, how, how do you, how do you do that, you know, without promising some theology of glory and yet be faithful well, lean to... Into the 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 narrative of job well let, look here's here's let's lean into the problem a little bit because this is a little bit of a problem and and people recognize this the, the the problem is this it seems like if you don't read this deeply it seems like uh, somebody could come along and say i thought the whole book of job was saying that you don't always get what you deserve <laughs> I thought I thought that the whole book of Job was kind of getting rid of that retributive justice thingy. And all of a sudden, <laughs> what is going on? Like we have these perfect numbers and these perfect endings. And I've even heard I've even read stuff that where people say this is really Disney. It's a Disney ending. Like 
Job is riding off into the sunset and everything's good and, and everything's happy and everything's right. And how is so are we then supposed to go to sufferers and say, you know, just everything's, you know, just wait a little bit and God's going to double you. And and that that is, you know, lean into that problem for a second. It we we do have that doubling that takes place and uh, you can look at it really closely the narrator does a a really exact job with this job started out in the prologue with 7000 sheep um, <laughs> how many does he end up with <laughs> in the in the epilogue 14000 you know um, he starts out with 3000 camels um, what happens how many does he end up with Six thousand. So everything, everything gets gets doubled, and um, even sometimes now we're it's, we're not sure about this one, but but it, there's even some who I think will point out that Job's lifespan even gets doubled here, and so you see that in verse sixteen, really the second to last verse of the chapter. After this, Job lived hundred forty years. He saw his children and their children. To the fourth generation so some people are going to say even job's lifespan gets doubled and so the narrator is is really spending the rest of the chapter um describing verse 10 you know which is this twice this twice over thing if that makes any sense so so what are we supposed to do with that i'm just deepening the problem before i try to answer it well yeah and then even even the children are are born somewhat to perfection. Pre Chama Job had seven sons and three daughters, and um, post trauma Job has seven sons and three daughters. Now, right now, the interesting thing here is that we actually get the daughters' names, and. The daughters are almost uh, elevated. I, you know, I wonder about that. Like uh, in pre-trauma, Job's seven sons were the partiers, um, mm. but and then post-trauma, Job's children. It's it's the daughters who are actually given. Um, you know, Their Job's very yeah. progressive. Actually, he. <laughs> He gives to them yeah, an he, inheritance. He, he gives them property. Yeah, he and gives them inheritance. Right along with with the brothers. Um, you know, I wonder about that. Job, I haven't come to a conclusion on that, but clearly the Lord favors Job with with beautiful, wonderful children. So I want to... I want to just propose uh, something here. I I think what's going on here, and people misread this ending, and uh, I'm going to use a a big category here. Is like, is is the book of Job um, really about? Is this ending really soteriology or is it eschatology? And those are for terms for for theologians. But the idea is this: is the end of 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 job talking about salvation or is it talking about the last things it which which doctrine is it really teaching and i would argue that it's the latter that what what the narrator here is describing 
is where God ultimately wants to take his people in a new heavens and a new earth. And and which is to ultimate shalom, which is, that's what this chapter is describing, Timothy, is this, what does ultimate shalom, ultimate peace and security look like? Well, this is a little vignette of that. It's not promising that to every Christian here in this life. Um, and even the Hebrew word of, of restoration, I think, when you put that into the context of the Bible, um, that is really a, a last things or an eschatological term. Uh, so it's, it's pushing people to think, what is Jesus ultimately going to do for us? That actually is going to be, uh, I'm not going to use, I was going to say Disney, but that's really um, saying too little. It's, it's, it's going to be, per everything, everything's going to be perfectly buttoned up, Timothy. Everything's going to be perfectly buttoned up. And let me, I want to push into this even farther. And, and I, one thing that's really notable that the narrator points out is that um, everything gets doubled except for one thing. And you have to notice what that one thing is. It's the kids. Job's kids do not get doubled. He doesn't have 20 kids. He has 10. Post-trauma Job. What is the significance of that? Well, I can't build too much theology on this, but I want to make a suggestion. I think it argues for the resurrection from the dead. You don't get sheep back. You don't get, you don't get uh, camels back. You do get believing people back. And so the Lord did double the kids. And what, what that pushes me to see is that really this is a last things kind of thing. This is a second coming of Jesus kind of thing. We do get our believing children back who have died in the Lord. And uh, I think that gives just great hope, for, especially for people who are grieving the loss of a child. Well, and look, uh, we, I think we have to say something here. Like it, the epilogue can, if you don't think carefully about it, you can, you can walk away and think, oh, man, what a beautiful, perfect life. But any parent, and I, you know, we really got to hear this. Any parent who has ever lost a child knows that they will carry that child with them for the rest of their days. And that's right. So you might call Job here. You know, he goes to, let's say he goes to the birthday party of, of uh, Jemima. Jemima. But he, he's, he's still thinking about his unnamed daughter that he loved dearly like he would wake up in the morning to sacrifice for her um and and these little boys that he had running around like he, he it's not like as a parent you can ever leave behind those losses and and so you know there's there's that for job he he's it's not done yet yeah, yeah his he, shalom isn't there it's yet. not totally buttoned up for him yet i job you know what can we call post-trauma job his eyes are open to the lord he's um i, I think you could call him sadder wiser but wiser and more and trusting yet, this is the place where he's come this is a place where he, he's come you know 
I, I think we have to pour into this a little bit. Like, does Job have survivor's guilt? Uh, is it's does Job have this anxiety about what could come next? Uh, how is Job actually living at this point? Because going through what he went through, don't you think you could go into life and and be hopeless or be depressed or or whatever? Is has he grabbed back onto life? Well, yeah, I think I think this is just really interesting and really telling. He. The, the girls get names, Timothy. The girls get names. And <laughs> they're just beautiful names. And they, they of course, get, get named. Uh, in verse 15, it says, Nowhere in all the land where they're found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their fathers granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. I, I, I probably need to examine this a little bit more. But at the very least, you can see Job is not a man who gave up on life. He is clearly not a man who gave up on life. He's still living. And, and he, he's, he's even, you know, pushing forward in life in certain ways. And you can even see this. We, the, the girls get names. And, and I think this is so significant, especially because here in the epilogue, where's Job's wife? Not mentioned. She's nowhere to be seen. Uh, Elihu, nowhere to be seen. Um, did the kids get names in the prologue? No. So when we, when we look at, these girls got names. The narrator is trying to say something very, very important. These names have significance. Well, what's he call them? The fr- here's a, I'm reading verse 14. The first daughter he named Jemima. <laughs> I love that. It's syrup, right? You know, uh, the, it makes you. That's where you, you know the the syrup on your shelf got the name from Jemima. The second Kazia. And the third Karen Hapuk. Now, uh, those are odd names to us, but. Um, they let me translate them for you, and these are rough translations. They're my own translations, admittedly. But Jemima roughly translates into this dovey, or affectionate one. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the next one? Kazia translates roughly into cinnamon. This, I'm just allowing time for people to think. So we got dovey, and we got cinnamon, and then. The third one, her her name is Karen Hapuk, which roughly translates into rouge pot, or I, I think probably what we'd uh, maybe say today is we might call her blush. So we got dovey, cinnamon, and blush. This is what Job named his daughters. What does that tell you? He's he loves his daughters. <laughs> He's, yeah. Well, he's, he's got spice he's in his life. Into his life, yeah. He's got blush, you know. He's he's got affection. And just those names, like he's 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 living again. He's he's not this emotionally uh shut down man. And there's a lot you could say about it, but I, I think I just wanna say this, Timothy, is I believe that this is the power of faith. How do we as how do we as God's people after coming through trauma and victimization live a little again? You know, we're sadder, we're wiser, I get that, but how do we live again and and love again and hope again? I think that's the power of faith. Um, having the Lord revealed to us so we can know that 
this life is not all there is. There's hope again. There's life again. There's Jesus again. And to pour into family, to pour in relationships, God does give you again. And, and to live again for him. You know, it's interesting the way the, the book ends in verses 16 and 17. It says, after this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children, their children, to the fourth generation. So Job died, an old man and full of years. And So it's almost like the book of Job is saying, this, this was a pivotal point in, in Job's life. It's, it's almost like uh, you have a different Job, and, and we're going to mark it now with 140 years. We're not even going to count what happened before that. Um, so so you, you have these things in your life, and you, you, you know, we talked about the before and after kind of moments and the, the good things like, we we could we have before and after we get married you know there's a before and after we get uh we have kids and you know you're not the same person before you have a kid as opposed to after you you're really not um but then there's but then there's the hard things and those are the things you know i, I i'm still young but i've been through enough to be able to look at certain moments in my life and say, yeah, I, I understand how God could, could put his hand in my life at one point in my life and that maybe I should start counting from there. And there was a before mm. and after, and now, now I can, mm. I, before I had heard him, now, now, now I see him. And it's not like Job got converted right there. He, he was a mm. faithful man. He knew the Lord before that. But now he could see him. And, oof. You know, you, start, you, that's why, you wouldn't want to go through it again. You don't. Like, you, would ne- you wouldn't say, like, Lord, I want to go through that again. No. <laughs> no. Mm. But when, when God, when his healing is taking place, you can, you can look at it and be like, Lord, you come to this place of even thankfulness for that, which is just mm-hmm. crazy. Like I, but I think Job must have gotten to this point and be like, you know what, Lord? Thank you for that. Thank you for saving my children the way that you did. Thank you for, for helping me to see. Thank you for giving me these promises that everything that's been taken from me wrongly, everything that's been done to me that I don't deserve, Every injustice, every bit of chaos and darkness that's entered my life, that's taken so much from me, is going to all be given back to me. Everything's going to be restored to me. And this is the hope that we have as Christians through Jesus. You know, is ultimate shalom, ultimate restoration. And um, Timothy, that's hope. Uh, thank you, listeners, for going on this journey with us. And... Uh, looking at the book of Job, seeing what God has for us here. And for me, Timothy, uh, my, my big reflection, my big verse that I keep going back to is, once again, is Job 42, verse 5. My ears had heard of you, but my, now my eyes have seen you. And 
I can't help, I'm a little moved right now, but I can't help but think of how that's ultimately going to be true. Like, I cannot wait to see the Lord in glory and to be able to say with Job, now I see that it all mattered. (laughs) Everything mattered. Everything had purpose. Everything that happened to me was your grace. And now I see. Thanks for listening to The Notable Podcast. Check out our other seasons to hear other people sharing their notes and highlights. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Thanks for listening.